Hello, and thank you for joining us on our Fort Road Victory Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us or get connected, please head to our website at frvc.ca. Now on with the sermon. Hey, good morning, everyone. Thank you again for tuning in. Uh, looks a little bit different in here, I guess. You're not in my office at home. You don't hear the dogs barking. You don't hear a lawnmower in the background, and you don't hear any drums banging away. I just thought I'd try something different. Hey, and guess what? It's still our church. We still have a building. And you know what? I want to thank those of you who understand that and who are continuing to, to give to the Lord to help support what we still own and what we still have, even though we're not able to use it right now as a church. It is still our building. So thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart that we still have it and we can still be responsible for looking after it. So God bless you guys. Today I want to talk about a new series we're starting, and it's something that's been on our hearts for a while, just because it's been six months now. And boy, things are getting really crazy and what was said yesterday changes tomorrow and that plays a real big number on our heads and so I want to talk about this new series that's, that's, that we've titled Losing My Mind and today my message is called Is It Just Me? So one of these issues again like that I'm talking about is that's risen out of this pandemic which we haven't really talked about really and the toll of this crisis has it's been on our minds think about this you know the mental stress the anxiety the addictions anger even, whether they've been caused by a job loss or the news even, or even wearing this mask that we have to wear all over the place, or the thought of COVID, contracting it, you know, becoming positive. The anxiety, the stress resulting from, you know, all this that's happening, it's affecting a lot of people and everyone deals with it differently. You know, I deal with it differently. You know, throughout the six months, I've had a team of people making calls to touch base with our members. And those of you who've received them, thank you for picking up and, and listening and, and maybe being able to, to talk to somebody and share what you're feeling. But we asked you this one question. It's, it's, it's really generic and it's a basic saying, how are you? Now, the majority of people without hesitation say automatically they're good. Now, either we're not being honest with ourselves or am I the only one going through this and having a hard time? I'm telling you, it's not been easy for me as your pastor and for those of you who are listening outside of our church, thank you for listening. I'm being honest and open with you right now. It's been tough on me. Tough on me mentally, physically, everything, just spiritually, just really putting a grind on everything that, that I was once used to and trying to rethink everything and trying to make sure that I'm, I'm still looking after myself, self-care, but emotionally and just, I mean, talk to my wife. It's been tough at home. I mean, we're always uh, in each other's space and so we're always looking for a way to try and provide each other that space and talk to people that are around me, that know me. I'm, I can be a bear to be around when, when, when things aren't going the way I expected or I planned and God has done that. He's turned everything upside down for us to take a look at this. So again, am I the only, is it just me? But I don't believe that. I think there are a lot of people that are in the same boat as I am and I think we need to discuss that today. Jesus Christ, he came, and, he came and he said, I'm here to give you abundant life. Now, abundant life isn't just referring to our physical and spiritual health, right? It's also inclusive of our mental health. Listen to John's prayer in his letter, John 3, 3 John. It says, and, uh, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, when he says that, clearly there's a distinction between the body and the soul, and the soul includes our mind, right? So John's prayer is that we should be healthy just as our minds are healthy. 
He's emphasizing on the soul first and that our physical health should be equal to the, the health of our soul. Got to remember that. So unfortunately, the church has not always re reacted with such grace to those who struggle with mental health issues, right? And yet the church is supposed to be the place where we can find support and healing. You know, whether someone came in that has had an abortion, a divorce, a loss of a loved one, a struggle with an addiction or mental health issues. When I say the church, I'm talking about you and I, right? It means you and I who are followers and believers of Jesus Christ. From the beginning, Christ designed his church to be a community that would gather around and support each other. And God uses the church, you and I again, as a place where we are meant to live life and find it abundantly. But however, that church, you and I again, often we drop the ball. Yes, I've done it, you've done it, and we do. When we encounter somebody who's struggling with something that's invisible, because it's all in their head right now, right? I get it, and it makes sense. I, I've done it. A broken arm is much easier to, to recognize than a broken or downcast spirit, right, or a soul. But dealing with that broken arm and ignoring a broken or downcast soul doesn't make it right. And we're so quick to jump to, you know, bandwagons when it comes to social injustice, right? Animal rights, human rights, governmental control, all these things that are upon us. But what are we doing when it comes to those around us who are really struggling with some mental health issues? It's easy for you and I to just say, hey, let's, let's just pray, pray about it and then not do it. I think we need to sometimes just stop when, we, when someone is sharing that and say, can I pray for you right now? That's what we need. That's what I would need, right? And chances are you know someone who's been affected by this lack of understanding in the church or has been, you know, confronted with unhelpful attitudes towards mental health issues. Here's a statistic that I read the other day. It says that one in five Canadians presently live with mental illness. Obviously, many of these Canadians are more than likely to be followers of Jesus Christ. And then you're asking, well, what does mental illness entail? Well, it refers to a wide range of mental health conditions, right? Disorders that affect your mood, your thinking, and your behavior. They can include depression, anxiety disorders, psychoses, schizophrenia, eating disorders, and addictive behaviors. Ah, that one's common. That one's common to a lot of people, right? When I say addictive behaviors, think about this. Gambling, food addiction, alcohol, drugs, TV gaming, pornography, shopping, working out, and even work can be addictive, right? They're addictive because they affect a person's emotional state negatively and they affect how we interact with each other. Here's the other thing about people with addictive behaviors. They tend to isolate. They tend not to want to be around people. And I, I've seen myself do that. And I have to stop and say, why am I doing this? And I have to put myself back in a place where, okay, I need to recognize this and figure out how I can work through it. And if you personally struggle or have struggled with mental health issues prior to this COVID happening back in March, this pandemic has only amplified what you've been feeling inside. Look at the news right now, right? You'll see how poorly some people are coping with this pandemic. It's interesting that when a person is sick physically, either from complications of a pre existing condition or have an infection or battling even terminal illness like cancer. So quickly our community comes together and they gather around and powerful prayers are offered to God. Why? Because we want that person healed. But what happens when someone you know is struggling with the uncontrollable emotions, the addictions or negative th thoughts day in, day out?
a lot of us will just resort to, well, you should go talk to someone else more qualified. Can I tell you something? We have Jesus Christ living on us, the great physician. And you know what? And yet we feel we, we're not qualified to encourage someone who's struggling. Think about this. When someone has surgery or recovers from an illness, we're so quick to say, wow, God did a miracle. He used these people to perform miracle in them. But think about this, for someone who continues to struggle with mental health issues and requires them to go back on an ongoing checkup, what about those counselors? What about the psychologists and the psychiatrists? Are they not part of God's healing plan as well? Ah, I get it. So because that person is still seeing a counselor and working through their issues, then they're not really being healed? Hmm. You know what it shows me? It shows me that, that we really live in this ATM world where we expect God to dispense what we need, when we need it, how much we need it, then walk away when we get what we need. Boy, things have to change. And I really believe this is an opportunity for us to take a look at what we're doing so we can change that. Because honestly, wouldn't you tell someone who's got extreme pain or bleeding even, right? Chest pain. Would you tell them just go pray about it or would you say, hey, let's, let's go get you to a doctor, let's get you to the hospital. But when it comes to somebody with mental health in the community, it seems that there's a lack of compassion or empathy for that person. It's always easier to offer help to someone who's struggling physically, right? Because it's visible. There's an obvious reason that they can't cook or they can't clean their home or they can't do the things that they used to do. But what happens when someone isn't doing well mentally? Well, they're, we're uncomfortable with that, first of all, and then that person's left to try and deal with it on their own. And that's how the isolation comes in. We can say, well, it's because we're not equipped or we just don't understand. We don't have the time. And excuse after excuse, I've used it, I've done that. But bottom line is they're all just excuses, right? Think about this, we're actually telling that person, I just don't really care enough about you to have to get involved. I mean, I can see that you can still cook and you can still clean and you can still work. So good luck. How does that person walk away feeling? I wonder if we really miss the mark here and we're not doing our part to help those struggling with mental health issues. And for a lot of people, they have enough on their plate. I get that. They're trying to deal with their own issues, let alone someone with serious mental health issues. You know, we're living in the society today in the 21st century where we, we, our culture tends to focus exclusively on, on the positive side of Christianity or the perceived benefits, right? We say, be happy, stay happy. Jesus Christ is living in you. He's on your side. Just give it to God. It'll all be all right. So then if, if things fall outside of what we say there, fall outside of all those things that we've said, then we tend to ascribe mental illness to sin, maybe even disobedience. How about this? Demonic influence or simply a lack of faith. You know, and they could be very well true about that, but what do we do then? For most people, we do nothing. We still feel ill-equipped to handle it. You know, I, I admit it. I'm, I'm guilt I've been guilty of that, truly. Just telling people to stop thinking so negative. Just pray it away. It's mind over matter. If God isn't healing you, then surely it must be your fault. You don't have enough faith. You obviously don't want to get healed bad enough. Think of these things that we've said, I've said. How hurtful and how, how unkind they really are. 
You know, and, and that's what ignorance or fear says. I've been there. It's like I, I admit that. Ignorance because I'm not taking the time to listen. And fear because I really don't want them to have to depend on me. I want to go back to the Apostle Paul. This man was a hero. I mean, he was a hero in the church. He was a hero in the time that he lived in. He was a church planter, an, an apostle, a preacher, an evangelist, right? <laughs> he was uh, all things to all men, the Bible says. And yet he had his share of debilitating struggle. I'm reading from 2 Corinthians 12. It says, I received such wonderful revelations from God. This is the Apostle Paul talking. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in my insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's the Apostle Paul talking. Even he was allowed to live with this thorn so that he would constantly submit himself to the power of God through his own weakness. Those of you who are struggling, it's understanding that we constantly have to put ourselves under the submission of God who knows all things that we're going through and that He becomes our strength when we are weak. God chose not to remove for whatever reason this ailment may have been, whether it was physical, emotional, or mental. And because, you know, Paul doesn't make any reference to people helping him or helping him get through this, we tend to think that he was left struggling on his own. So guess what? That's become our model. That's become our mindset. I'll deal with it myself. It's the cross that I've been given to bear, right? But Paul always thanked the churches wherever he went for remembering him in prayer, for looking after his needs, for making sure that they knew what he was going through. He wasn't alone. Do you remember when Jesus began to select his disciples and the religious leaders criticized him for hanging out with tax collectors and sinners? He answers this in Matthew chapter 9. He says, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. See, the people he was hanging out with, they weren't physically sick. Yes, some of them were, but when, when he was speaking about this in Matthew chapter 9, he was at a banquet. Everybody was having a party. He was there with them, and he says this statement. They were spiritually unwell, for sure, but they could have very well have had other mental issues, addictions, and anxiety that they were dealing with. And so Jesus wasn't talking about a, a physically sick person. He's obviously talking about the condition of our soul and our spirit, right? It's time we took the stigma off of mental health. You and I, we put it on and we put a stigma, we, we, we are succumbing to a stigma that, ooh, stay away from people with mental health issues, right? We need to talk about it openly. The church is supposed to be a hospital. You and I are supposed to be caregivers. This is not a social club. We're here to be helping the sick. Because if you go to a social club, you wouldn't air your issues out there, would you? A social club is where you go to have fun, to belong and fit in. Not talk about what's at the core of your soul. But a hospital? Yeah. That's where you're going to find all levels all of different kinds of people, right? With varying levels of, of sicknesses, trying to get better with the help of others around them who are nursing them. And yes, even the ones with psychological issues. 
Some people see having mental health issues as being worse than having a physical ailment. I'd rather have a physical ailment than to be perceived as crazy, we'd say, right? Let's let our guard down and ask for help. And for those of you, let's offer our help, right? What does Paul say in 2 Timothy 1.7? He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. When Paul told Timothy to be strong and stir up the gift inside him, it was to equip him so he could minister to those hurting around him. Not to have a label, right? Oh, I'm Timothy. I have a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. That wasn't why he, he told him that. It's because he knew that Timothy would have to go out into the community to minister with that kind of an attitude and that kind of a heart. We use this verse to tell those struggling around us, see, that's what you lack. You don't have a spirit of, 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 of love, power, and sound mind. You're, you're working out a spirit of fear. No, that's, that's, again, using the Bible to come against something that's really an issue for people. And we forget that what they lack, we actually have to be able to offer to help them. We're told to have the mindset of Christ, right? The mind of Christ. Can I tell you that the mind of Christ is not a spiritual goal or objective? It's really knowing our inherent identity in Christ, right? It's knowing that what we have freely received in him is ours and that it empowers our lives. It's not something we're trying to achieve. We have it already and now learning how to let it minister and let it guide us is truly what the objective is. Mental illness, it affects any one of us. So whether you're a pastor, whether you're a Sunday school teacher, just a, a churchgoer, you know, the suspected struggle of mental illness should not be a source of shame or should be kept hidden from other people. You and I need to be that place of safety in this community where those who are struggling can be honest and ask, right? And ask people to rally around them in prayer. And then hopefully we can get some help for that person. Because when we encounter people who suffer with mental illness, we should be hesitant to provide an opinion right away on what the source of, of, of this illness is from or how it should be solved. These issues are very complex and we know that. We're human beings, we're very complex. What do we do? Let me give you some practical things now before I go. First, just as you are not immune to physical health, don't ever think you're immune to mental health issues, okay? Sometimes these issues may have been caused during our, our childhood years, our adolescent years when we're developing, and it takes years before they surface. And God is always trying to get us to a place of health. So a trigger down the road, 10, 20, 15, 30 years later, right, can be a trigger that finally begins to unblock these deep issues that are rooted inside our minds. It's easy to point people to a weekly professional and say, hey, go see this counselor. He'll see you once a month or, or twice a month, right? Guess what? What's harder is walking with that person daily to provide the support that they need. It's tough. It's a big sacrifice on our part to, to check in on people and to, to walk, in, walk with them and to keep asking questions, How are you, what can I do to help you? It's a sacrifice on our part, but that person needs it. They're walking through that darkness, right? And remember Christ again when he was dealing in the garden of knowing that he was fulfilling the plan of salvation for all of mankind. What a heavy thing that was for him to bear. It agonized him and he struggled, 
not only with himself, not only in his mind, but he struggled with his heavenly father. Matthew 26, let me read this. Then he said to them, he's talking to his disciples, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Boy, the stress that Jesus Christ had on him prior to his death in that garden, and the disciples weren't even there for him. They fell asleep. Twice he found them sleeping and he had to wake them up. People are just looking to be supported while they're dealing with these issues, right? Here he's, he's giving this little example of one hour. But I think if we can afford more than one hour, and that, again, it was one hour before he died. He wasn't saying, could you spend one hour with me every day? We need to look at this and say, hey, maybe this is something that people need. It's just for us to keep checking on them, for us to, to, to really genuinely care, right? And the other thing, mental health issues is not always a spiritual problem or a dem demonic manifestation, right? And surely people didn't ask for it. And if you're the type of person who wants to apply any kind of spiritual warfare to the problem, then again, my advice, walk with that person. Don't pray from a distance. Walk and pray with that person. Because most of us aren't health professionals. Come on. So we got to stick to what we do know. God is good. God is love. God doesn't forsake his people. Pray with those who are struggling in, within your circle. Treat them as fellow image bearers. That's what we're here to, on earth for, right? To bear God's image. And when we know someone is struggling with that mental health issue, then they're not doing a great job of bearing God's image, but we can help them. We can walk them through. We can walk with them. We can't fix them. Only God can do that, right? And we can encourage them to seek some help if need be. So being available, walking with them, shouldering one another's burdens, which is what the Bible tells us to do, right? Only then can we love as Christ loved and care for those who are hurting. Remember this, God doesn't alienate people with mental health issues. He doesn't, so neither should we. Remember this as, as the next coming weeks within the series, God doesn't alienate us. He loves us and he wants to walk with us. And so should we as human beings want to walk with other people. So check your attitude. You may be okay, but there's someone around you that needs encouragement. Listen to them. Don't be so quick to give an answer. Sometimes we're, we're in this society where we want to fix things right away, right? No. They just need someone to listen to them. People struggling with mental health issues need someone that will listen. They don't necessarily understand what's going on inside and they don't want you to try and fix them. Only God can fix them. They just want somebody who will listen and care. I want you to be encouraged because I really believe that six months in this, it's been tough. And I'm telling you, personally, it's been tough on me. But God is good. And God loves us. And God wants you and I to know that we're going to get through this. Why? Because he already knows the end of this. 
But in the meantime, I know job loss has been tough. Wearing the mask has been tough. Not knowing whether to send kids to school has been tough. Not knowing whether you should be in public, whether you should be tested. All of it's been tough. But we're going to get through this and we're going to encourage one another. I encourage you, if you have anything you would like to talk to one of our people about or our prayer partners, please comment. Please phone the office. I want to pray with you. If you need a visit, let us know. Obviously, we, we, we can do what we can, but we trust God with what he's doing. Would you bow your heads with me and pray right now? Father, I just thank you. I thank you first and foremost. You've never abandoned us through these six months. Oh, and God, it's been tough. I'll be the first to admit that it's been tough. But I also pray, Father, for those who recognize that it's been really hard on them, that you would encourage them, that your grace truly is sufficient for us, that when we are truly weak and we say, I can't do it, then your strength is poured in through us. God, would you show us again when we try to depend on ourselves, it doesn't work. But when we finally let go and let you have that control, let you have the wheel that we're trying to direct our lives, and all we can do is trust you. And it's not just a last resort. In fact, it isn't even a last resort. It is the resort that we need to do. So God, I pray for people who, who need that peace right now, people who are, are waiting to be encouraged, people who know that they can encourage another person. Would you stir their hearts to be one person who offers another person help, to be a person that lets their guard down and say, hey, I need help, I'm struggling. Bring this church together, even though we're not in the building. Bring the community of believers together that they would give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Those of you who are still kind of testing the waters, is, is this Jesus real? Is God real? He's so real. We want you to know that God loves you. And this is truly an opportunity for you to come and just surrender your life. Maybe you understand what I've been talking about throughout this time, struggling with trying to find your bearings and something secure. Christ is our foundation. He's our security. And you can know that. Today, all you need to do is just admit that you are in need of a Savior. You're in need of someone to give your life to because He loves you. All the things that you do good still separate you from God. It's only through Christ that we can come to God and be part of this family that He's created for us. Eternity is waiting for you. Just say that prayer. Let us know. God bless you. Have a great day. Well, we hope you got a lot out of today's sermon. If you'd like to connect with us, please feel free to check out our website at frvc.ca. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Have a great day, everyone.